Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. So what are you supposed to do between each Engadget podcast? Wait in silence? I'm Matt Smith, and every morning I walk through the day's biggest tech stories. It's short, relevant, and ready for listening whenever you wake up. Find Engadget Morning Edition wherever you find your podcasts, or ask your smart speaker for the latest news from Engadget. What's up, Internet, and welcome back to the Engadget Podcast. I'm Senior Editor Devendra Hardwar. I'm Reviews Editor Sherlyn Lowe. This week, we're going to dive into some of NVIDIA's news from its GTC Developers Conference. We've got some fun laptop news from Microsoft. The Surface Laptop 4 was finally announced, and Sherlyn's going to be diving into her uh, fun experience with the <laughs> OnePlus Watch. Stay tuned. As always, folks, if you're enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe on iTunes and your podcatchers of choice. Leave us a review on iTunes. That seriously makes a difference. And drop us an email at podcast at engadget.com. Let's move right into NVIDIA and what's going on this week. It is, uh, it's GTC week here. And that is a week-long developer conference where NVIDIA kind of goes deep and tells us everything it's working on, some upcoming hardware and things like that. I'll tell you guys, most of the announcements, and I sat through all the briefings and sifted through all the press releases and everything, not really for us. A lot of it's for folks like Anantech and, uh, you know, the TechCrunch side, like business news, uh, cloud news, data center stuff, and AI news. But there are some things I found kind of interesting. I wrote up the news around their first data center CPU, which is called Grace, which is named after Grace Hopper. Uh, It's their first data center CPU, so that's the key. And it's ARM-based, which is kind of interesting because uh, right now in the server and data center world, we're seeing a shift from x86 uh, Intel and AMD-based CPUs to ARM-based chips. And... ARM, if you've been listening to the show, you you, you kind of know what we're talking about. Those are mobile chips. Those are the things that are in your smartphones, uh, in a lot of tablets. Uh, they are smaller, more power efficient, um, and getting more and more powerful every day. Um, I looked at this NVIDIA news. It seems a lot like what, uh, what Apple did with the M1 chip, uh, whereas Apple was aiming for Hey, we don't need Intel anymore on the on the desktop side or on our you know PC side. Uh, Nvidia is kind of doing that with the server side because now they don't need to you know ship these chips that are paired together with Nvidia or with uh, with any x86 hardware. So that's not even Intel or AMD hardware. They can kind of own their own lane here. And Grace is a powerful new CPU that's going to be in supercomputers down the line. They've got several partners already. Um, It's interesting news. It won't directly, you know, 
it won't directly affect any of us. But I do think like this is a big shift towards ARM. We're seeing more and more people do this. Have any thoughts on this, Sherlyn? I mean, the shift towards ARM, like you said, is interesting. I, I wonder if like data center CPUs need a lot of power or or mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know need to be more mobile need to be more power efficient i mean in general obviously power efficiency is better but like a data center doesn't seem to need battery life <laughs> they don't need battery life but they certainly <laughs> data centers draw power right power of is course. the is the resource that we're still talking about when it comes to computing uh, it is the big controversy around bitcoin and other digital currencies because those things require power to you know process their currencies so Power is still a big thing. Um, it's also about um, carbon usage and things like that. So if you're drawing more power, you're hurting the environment more. But also, I think on a fundamental, you know, money level, uh, moving over to ARM chips just means you're paying less for power on your servers, which is good. You know, more efficient, capable servers. These chips are still really powerful. You look at my review of the uh, the you know Apple M1 and the MacBook Air and everything. I was shocked by what that little chip could do and really go toe-to-toe with the x86 the big stuff from intel and amd so we are getting this is like a really interesting inflection point um i do think nvidia is just taking a solid first step here uh they have announced some initial customers that includes um let me see here the swiss national supercomputing center the cscs and the department of energy's los alamos national laboratory they're both going to be having grace powered systems in 2023 powered uh built by Hewlett Packard Enterprise. So these are these are these are big deals and Nvidia is taking a big step here towards um not a new market cuz they've had um you know kind of supercomputer tech around before but certainly a market that is um kind of a leap beyond what they're capable of doing with the x86 stuff now. So related to that uh if you don't care about servers or data centers fine mm-hmm. but Nvidia also announced that they're working together with MediaTek to bring RTX graphics to some ARM-based laptops, which is also kind of interesting. It was just one paragraph in the news, right? But it is a really intriguing paragraph because they're like, well, uh, imagine future Chromebooks, right? That have a MediaTek ARM processor that is power efficient, very thin and light and everything, and maybe a little powerful, but also has an NVIDIA RTX graphics card that is kind of wild to me. Thoughts on this, Sherlyn, because this is your uh, kind of your wheelhouse, the uh-huh. ARM computers. I, uh-huh. I, 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 I saw this headline just <laughs> now for the first time. And, and you know, on our right before we got on uh, the live stream, you saw how I reacted. I just laughed mm-hmm. out loud for like a minute because I know MediaTek has been really, it's been around for a long time. Yeah, and in the yeah. past decade, and, and minus the last few years, but in the decade right um before today it's been sort of known as that like cheaper alternative to qualcomm yeah uh, and often mm-hmm. has a bad rap for like just not having the same muscle um and you know because it's cheaper and not as powerful media tech chips are widely popular in things like smart home devices because you don't need that much you don't need to be that fast mm-hmm. um smart display smart home devices that sort of stuff and now to hear that they're targeting ARM-based laptops with, by teaming up with NVIDIA for ray tracing graphics, that's just <laughs> intriguing. Because first, let's, yeah. let's set aside the idea that it's just ARM Chromebooks. Because right, right. feels like ARM and Chromebooks is kind of an, an okay mix. You know what I mean? Like, not a lot of power necessary. Not, I mean, not it seems perfect s- for a type of computer that I don't think is a Right, like a limited, very limited. PC. Yeah, yeah. Right, exactly. Like, that's the right 
ish OS for ARM, mm-hmm. right? It feels like. But maybe it's because there's always been software limitations on Windows side that makes it hard to see ARM's full prowess. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, but, but like in, in that scenario, in that use case situation, ray tracing? <laughs> well, what are you doing on Chrome I don't, OS? L- listen, I don't know how much of that we'll actually see, but it is certainly <laughs> the power of RTX graphics. That's what they're kind of getting at. So you're not going to be playing like, you know, Destiny 2 on a Chromebook, maybe natively, but maybe some, like, I don't know what MediaTek graphics technology is like, right? So they're not like Qualcomm, which actually does get some decent GPU stuff. Apple custom developed their own GPU for the M1 chip. So graphics is more and more important these days. That's all. Yeah, so for mm-hmm. I mean for for people at home who are curious to see if like one of the devices you own has an, a MediaTek <laughs> processor to see how it performs, MediaTek uh, device. I mean their chip names start with the model number MTK, and then mm-hmm. you know either a Helios something or other is one of their newer <laughs> CPUs. And they've had better architecture over time. They're really chasing the five G game. They you know uh, I think fairly recently announced some sort of five G collaboration with a big company. I'm not recalling off the top of my head yeah. right now either, but. MediaTek is really trying. Um, While I still see software being a potential challenge they all need to overcome, because Mm -hmm. yes, you have the power of ray tracing for gaming, graphic editing, and video editing, perhaps. There's the apps need to support it. The emulator needs to not be clunky. There's there's a lot still in between, but it's nice to see ARM Mm -hmm. get a lot of love. Yeah, I mean, we are certainly Apple's move last year with the M1 kind of shifted the entire landscape and we saw what was possible. Um, But that's also, you know, a very custom specific processor built for Apple's hardware and stuff. So now we're seeing how is the rest of the PC world going to be able to catch up. And certainly Windows on ARM is a thing we've looked at for years. I'm not a big fan. I've never liked a Windows on ARM machine. You've reviewed a couple, Sherlyn. that's more uh, Microsoft's problem of not yes, not yes. even making apps properly compatible or giving us a good backwards compatibility layer in the way that Apple did. Because with Apple, it's like it's just all seamless. Like they have an x86 layer. Older apps work mostly just fine and in many cases are faster than many x86 PC laptops. So, surprisingly so. Surprisingly. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. Rosetta is doing, and Rosetta is the name of your emulator, and it, like, yeah. it does an amazing job. Holy crap. It's not meant to stick around forever. <laughs> like mm-hmm. Apple is fully moving to ARM. I think that commitment to trans, like migrating fully to ARM is what's driving some of this like race to build ARM machines. Because gotcha. they're like, oh, the M1 does so great. Mm-hmm. Why can't we replicate that? And certainly that does seem like the future, right? We want Everybody wants thin and light machines. Like that is the hot sexiness that everybody jumps for uh, in PC hardware. But there are limitations in what you can do with x86 chips. Uh, AMD only recently started like making small power efficient laptop chips. Intel's really struggling with that. So if you want... If you want like a magical laptop, right, that weighs under one pound and mm. still has a decent screen and everything, like, you know, we're going to need to rely on mobile chips. I feel like the Surface Pro X was the kind of a good glimpse at where things could go on the high end. But uh, I hated that device. I think you hated that device too, Sherlyn, uh, because it was an ARM chip and Windows on ARM is just not ready yet. <laughs> Hoy, 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 hoy. We could, we, we've talked about this. The Microsoft fans are going to come for my DMs. We're just, we're just going to leave it at that. So speaking of Microsoft laptops, uh, they announced the Surface Laptop 4 this week. This is the fourth iteration of their most uh, normal Surface, right? The Surface Laptop is 
just a laptop. It has a nice touchscreen. It has like the same, uh, what is it, three by two aspect ratio that a lot of the surfaces do. So it's kind of a square screen. But beyond that, it's a uh, it's uh, kind of a minimalist uh, PC. You know, I feel like Microsoft was really chasing the MacBook Air with these things. But the weird thing is, um, I remember the last time they announced some Surface devices, Sherlin, we went to an event in New York City. There was a lot of news happening all at once. They announced uh, the first 15-inch Surface with some AMD Ryzen chips. Nothing has really changed since that event. So these new Surfaces look exactly the same. They're still 13.5-inch and 15-inch models. Uh, the big difference is now you have a choice of AMD processors and Intel processors across both. Last time, it was just uh, kind of an AMD special choice on the 15-inch. Um, but yeah, they didn't really change much, which is, to me, kind of disappointing. Um, mm -hmm. I do like it when Microsoft is like pushing boundaries a little more. But they are just being super reserved with this laptop. So I actually have a 15-inch Surface Laptop 4 right here uh, next to me that I'm testing. And man, looking at this thing now, it's like it is a nice-looking machine, but I really wish those screen bezels were slimmer. You know, mm. I really wish it looked a little more modern. I would love a little more connectivity. Um, the nice thing about the hardware changes is that it does support 11th generation Intel processors. So, you know, the really cool Intel XE graphics, you know, that you can get that as a part of things. And the Ryzen chips look good too, but they're only Ryzen 2, uh, Zen 2 processors, not the newer Zen 3 hardware that we're seeing in every laptop this year. So once again, Microsoft feels like it's a little behind the curve. Um, yeah, I'm working on my review right now for this thing. I kind of want to call it the Normcore laptop because it is just so, it's it's just fine. It, it is the laptop for when, you know, um, your grandma or grandpa or somebody walks into a Microsoft store or a Best Buy or something. It's like, I need, I just need a laptop. I don't need anything fancy. Um, this is the simple Apple-esque uh, decision that they can make um, personally. And so I'm going to say this in my review. I think for the price and certainly for the hardware, you, the XPS 13, the XPS 15, <laughs> I was they're, going right, <laughs> they're right there. They're right there. I, and they have beautiful sure. screens that don't have edges. Yeah. When you started talking about this, I was like, when's he going to bring out the Dell yeah. XPS 13? When mm -hmm. am I? Or any, really any other major laptop, right? The NV, the HP NV lineup, um, any of the major companies. I just, HP I'm Spectre. a little sad probably more in line but the yes Spectre, uh, yeah the Spectre right. lineup um yeah it's a little disappointing and really just talking to Microsoft folks like they're like they're always talking about what they can remove from the laptop experience to make it simpler and maybe mm. for a certain audience that is what they need certainly the more mainstream audience but there are just so many disappointing things here um there's still no Thunderbolt support so if you don't if you want to connect a really modern, um, you know, storage device or something, or even an external GPU, which is a thing some people do. Uh, you can't do that with this because for some reason, Microsoft just doesn't like that uh, interface. Thankfully, there is USB-A, there is USB-C with USB-C charging. That's something they introduced last, oh, uh, during the last round. But beyond that, man, it is just more of the same. So look for my review soon. Um, we also saw a bunch of modern accessories from Microsoft, which I think are more... These are the new things. These are the things they haven't done in a while. There's a modern uh, Microsoft webcam, which is the first uh, webcam from Microsoft that I, I've seen in years. They used to have like a Life, was it Life 360 or some type of uh, Life branded webcam? But it is kind of cool to see that they're just getting back into 
really bread and butter basic accessories. So they have webcams, they have multiple headsets. Um, you know, they have a $100 USB-C speaker that can also take uh, phone calls or Teams meetings and things like that. They've even revamped the Surface headphones. Uh, there's a new Surface headphones 2 plus model that has a Teams button on the side, which, okay, I, I don't know. Maybe somebody who uses Teams a lot will really, really love that. But, you know, it's just basic stuff that you'll be seeing in stores from Microsoft, basically. So this feels like Apple-esque moves, uh, simple hardware. I need a webcam. I need, you know, a headset with a microphone. Go to the store, see this thing, has Microsoft's mm -hmm. name on it. Seems just fine. Uh, oh, that the previous Microsoft webcam I was thinking of, that was the LifeCam HD 3000, which came out in 2011. And they kind of gave up on that a while ago. Yeah. Um, just just interesting to see. So nothing super exciting. There's no no real new Surface tablet hardware. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there, there's nothing super interesting or bold that they're doing. Maybe they're saying that for the end of the year. This is the sort of like mid-year lulls we're in. I suspect, I suspect that's also why they did it without fanfare, right? Like usually yeah. when, when they have a big set of things to announce, we go, we have an event and whether it's virtual or in person, usually also to me, the October surface event is usually the fun one. Um, that's when they save all the interesting news. I do personally like the surface laptop like line it's nice, it's nice. when yeah. i yeah i i used the surface laptop 2 i think as my main for a while yeah a few yeah. years ago i guess and really it's simplistic is minimal i like it it's got all the basics right mm -hmm. uh um, how long ago bright, was that that was like three years ago right yeah if it was the surface laptop 2 it was like that long ago three yeah. years ago and my, and my main gripe with it back then was that like the proprietary charger it was a proprietary yep. charger not usb-c charger but they've yep you know, change that. They've changed uh, that, but the basic shape of the the case and everything, right. exactly the, the same. This the screen still, tech. It still looks exactly it, the same. Yeah, exactly <laughs> the same. So there is no like modernization. And I carried the uh, the original Surface laptop around for a while after I reviewed mm -hmm. it, and that was four years ago, I think. Yeah. Like, and yeah. just reviewing the stuff now, like the hardware just hasn't changed. They've moved away from putting Alcantara on everything. So this one I have right now is just like a nice straight metal uh, case. Oh, okay. But beyond okay. that. It, it is all the same. So, hey, disappoint yeah. to me, but I'm sure mainstream people will be really into it. And I will I will say for their accessories that you were mentioning, a lot of my uh -huh. uh, friends, I guess, I don't know if in tech or not, but some of my friends actually really like Microsoft's, like, mice. Yeah, um, great mice, great so, keyboards. Yeah, not they do love for their keyboards. accessories. Exactly. So it's nice to see mm -hmm. them do a, a webcam. I might, I might want to look into that. <laughs> you may want to, uh, but really, just just go Logitech. Really, this is, this is the fight. And also, for when it comes to keyboards and mice, it is really the fight is between Microsoft and Logitech. Mm -hmm. I'm a Logitech fan right now, but I've certainly used a lot of Microsoft Logitech's stuff good. in my day. I use a Logitech mouse and a Logitech webcam right now, so totally. There you go. And super like Logitech is just a cool company too. I did an interview with their CEO several years ago. They are so humble in a weird way and not very like brag -a, they don't really brag as much um, as much as other companies so anyway check That's out good. that piece too Sherlyn let us move <laughs> on to your review experience with the OnePlus hey, watch yeah, 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 yeah. which uh, sounds like just pure drama to me so I don't even really know where to start with this but okay OnePlus watch is the company's first ever <laughs> smartwatch and you know, if you've been following OnePlus news for a while now, you'll know that the company actually has been working on a smartwatch forever, since <laughs> at least 2015. 
Back in 2016, co-founder and then director. He doesn't work there anymore. Carl Pei tweeted out some pictures of a smartwatch that was that never came to be, um, that they've been working on some sketches. So it's been a while. The reason I give you this background is because after playing with the OnePlus Watch a bunch, it feels like this is the watch they were preparing to launch like all that long ago, <laughs> like all that many years ago, because. So much of what we have with it is outdated. If it doesn't compare to modern smartwatches, the only things that OnePlus has done to differentiate here and and has executed well anyway is fast charging and the price. It's one hundred and fifty nine dollars. Oh, okay. And mm-hmm. yeah, and it promises to get you like. Seven days of juice in twenty minutes of charging, which is like a vague number. I don't like seven days of juice because that's a really silly number. <laughs> But it's about like from zero to forty three percent, and that's that's well, I say zero, maybe one, one to forty three percent. But but like it's impressive. It's very fast for a smartwatch, and smartwatches are slow when it comes to charging. Mm-hmm. So those are the two saving graces about this. Let's jump into like. Whoa, This whole review experience, holy crap! Let me just say, your first line in our notes <laughs> to talk about this review is "shit, shit, shit." <laughs> it's so shit, and I feel like that should have been the title of your review. <laughs> I, I, I try to refrain from <laughs> being too extreme in our reviews, and it may Some like things deserve it. Come on! I do. I agree. I mean, I feel like I, I had a fairly scathing review, but yeah. I also, in my head, and I shouldn't, but in my head, I can hear all the OnePlus fans coming for me. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, okay, mm-hmm. well, I'm just tr- also trying to be fair. So anyway, um, normally when you get a watch to review, you know, you start playing with it, and you get like um, the guidelines as to like how to set it up and everything. This and then you start having problems and questions and whatever, and you start talking to the company reps, and you have like a dialogue. I had questions for OnePlus like Wednesday or Thursday. I sent them Thursday. I never got a response until like they were silent until like Monday, the day before the embargo lifted, mm-hmm. and then. All throughout the process, the updates were coming like fast and furious for me. Like I just kept getting update notifications. I'm just like, how many times are you gonna update this watch while mm-hmm. I'm reviewing it? And these updates were to fix little things like, oh, oops, sorry, automatic workout detection wasn't working. Here you go. And then, oops, uh, we're we're not doing mm-hmm. that uh, prompt you to move thing. Uh, now we got it fixed. Oh, here you go, another update. And uh, at whenever you have a, a, a review that's starting to go bad like this, you a wonder if you have a you know defective unit, or yeah, B yeah. and and B is like, is everyone having the same experience, or did you do something dumb? Like as a reviewer, <laughs> I'm always like. What did I get wrong? Like, because you can't, you can't just go to off? Google, right, and search around for things. So you have to talk to other people in to yes. only know what's going on. Yeah. Yes. So I'm lucky and blessed enough hashtag blessed to have like a group chat of like reviewers who I know also will have the OnePlus Watch, and we were just mm-hmm. talking about it. And all of across the board, our experiences were equally shit, and like <laughs> not even not even on the exact same things. Some of us had the exact same experience on things, but some people were like. Oh, this works for me, but that other thing doesn't work. And it's it's like we all, instead of hearing back from OnePlus as to how to fix what issues were going on, we actually like just troubleshoot. Like we had to troubleshoot amongst ourselves. <laughs> so you were doing the work for them because they're going to yeah. take your findings and put it into the product too. So huh. yeah, 
And so I think I only started checking in with a group chat uh, a, a couple of days into the review period because I was like, wait, wait, this is this is, not, this is like this is not just me. This is pretty bad. <laughs> and so I hit up the group chat, which involved it included like reviewers from other sites like Verge and and Wired and uh, Gizmodo. And I said, hey, who else is reviewing this thing? And I said, who else is reviewing the OnePlus Watch? And from Verge, Dieter and Dan were in there, and Dieter was like. You mean the Amazfit? I was like, oh, that's such a perfect analogy. This is exactly one of those like white. What do you? What's that word white for label, when a company white label? OEM white label. Thank type you. Stuff, yeah. White label. Yeah. This is exactly the kind of like cheap twenty dollar mm-hmm. watch you can get off of like Amazon f- with that same sort of basic software. You wouldn't mm-hmm. expect this from a OnePlus. Like OnePlus <laughs> has come too far. For it to be de- delivering things like this anymore, I, I could go on mm-hmm. on this rant forever. Yeah. Like, can I you really talk could. more about the software, right? So what you're saying is, yes. this is a like a very localized software system, right? This isn't so. Uh, it's not Android Wear or anything, right? It's not Wear OS. It's using mm-hmm. uh, it's it's OnePlus's own version of an RTOS, a real time operating system. Mm-hmm. An RTOS, mm-hmm. uh, if you've read a lot of the reviews, you'll know RTOS is basically the same base for a lot of things like the Amazfit or like, sure, you know, sure. all the watches we see on the show floor of CES that don't have a big company behind them, that sort mm-hmm. of thing. So it's very basic. You can swipe sideways to see some widgets, and there seems to be a limit on how many. Um, and then you press the top button, and you can scroll through a vertical list of all your apps, which are few. And uh, then you can swipe up to hold down quick settings, and you swipe down. Sorry, swipe down to see your quick settings, and swipe up to see your notifications. Oh my gosh! When we talk about the notifications, <laughs> holy crap! Like. First of all, a few of them, like some, there was a glitch during the review process where like one notification would come in on your phone, but the watch will ping you four times about it. Like four <laughs> notifications would show up on the watch. So mm-hmm. like, I thought my friends were being annoying for texting me too much and I was almost going to yell at them. I was going to be like, shut the F up, you assholes. And it was just a watch. This is how you talk to your friends, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is truly, I'm always just like you mother yeah. lovers. And they're um, like, why are we friends with this girl? I yeah, they're just like, she's just so charming. <laughs> uh-huh. Anyway, so that's one issue. And then the other thing is like on some apps like um, WhatsApp, Telegram, uh, some other messaging apps, I believe Signal and Line. I'm not f- up to speed. I know WhatsApp and Telegram for sure. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in those apps, you can choose to send a reply via the watch. Mm. Nice, right? Isn't that great? Yeah, okay. The replies you can send are, okay, in a meeting, call you later. Driving, call you later. And like, see you soon. Or like the third one is the fourth one is just like four, three words or something. And I can't remember the exact, but like, that's it. That's the four. You can uh-huh. say one of those things. And so like us, the group chat reviewers, we were just trolling each other, like replying to the group chat with these like canned messages, like Oop, in a meeting, call you back, Oop, driving, call you back. Like you can't change these. You can't go into the <laughs> app to like, you know, set up your preferred uh, dictated reply. Yeah. You can't can you dictate do a reply. Replies? No, you can't. No? You can't. Mm. You can take calls on the watch, but you can't dictate a reply for some reason. Mm. There's no, I guess, speech recognition engine. <laughs> um, so that's clunky as hell. And that's like even Fitbits from like three years ago fixed that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's and basic Fitbits can do that now. The Charge mm-hmm. 4 or the Versa can already do that. So, anyhow. Yeah, it's trying to like calm back down to like let, let, not let get just say, too like, mad. Everything you're talking about, Trillin, does harken back to our advice to never buy a first generation first product gen, yeah. from a company going into something new. Right? This is these are all mm-hmm. first gen problems. That it sounds like they're dealing with, right? 
Absolutely, they need to learn, and this like mm -hmm. to be grant. I'll grant them that this is an affordable product, and on some level, it works. And but like, <laughs> look, yeah, if that's the best thing I can say about it, it works and it charges fast. And uh -huh. hey, great! I took a fitness tracking a bunch. Like, um, I I was like pretty nuts, and I took like the Galaxy Watch Active, the Apple Watch, and the OnePlus Watch out to like. All on your wrists at the same on, time. Well, yeah, and I'm not testing the sensor <laughs> accuracy there, so like, uh -huh. don't even. That's not the right, best way to right. judge sensor accuracy. But I'm more looking at overall kind of what the differences are in the experience. So, mm -hmm. which one interrupts you the most? Which one, um, you know, has like the in, gives you the best readings? Like displays the um, your session details afterwards in the nicest mm -hmm. way. And to be fair. I like OnePlus's layout. When I'm done with a run, it'll show me like, oh, here are the here are the number of minutes you spent in a certain zone. Like you were mm -hmm. fat burning a lot of time. You were like at like ex your extreme end or at your peak most of the time or something. It's nice. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't have a lot of the issues that some of the other reviewers had throughout the review process. A lot of people were saying, uh, the Steps were being undercounted. Uh, I know Michael Fisher, Mr. Mobile, he had a Garmin on and the OnePlus watch on at the same time. And his count was off by about 10,000 steps. <laughs> that is not as bad as poor yeah. Victoria Song from Gizmodo, who I didn't speak to during the review process because we're not in the group chat. We're not that close as friends. Um, I don't know on a personal level, but... Mm -hmm. Her review was just like a joy for me to read because like, it was like, <laughs> someone else that I didn't speak to had the same experience and it was much worse. She took it on a walk where like, I think uh, the Apple Watch reported either 10,000 plus or 100,000 plus steps. I don't know, big number. Can't remember mm -hmm. the exact number right now. 100,000 In the end, the OnePlus watch. Yeah. yeah, it was a lot. The OnePlus watch said it counted 103 steps. Like, what the hell? What? <laughs> Imagine if you're like, yeah. for me, I'm trying to calculate my calorie burn quite like when I'm going on like a workout, right? And like you're there trying to like gauge your your mm -hmm. performance and the your watch is telling you you got 103 yeah. steps. Like Literally the most basic thing a smartwatch needs to do, you can buy a hybrid watch that doesn't even have a screen that can count steps these days. So yeah, yeah if you fail at that, you fail at life. You know, it's like going to a restaurant and like the most basic dish they can't even cook. So, and oh well. and yeah, I hated wearing this to sleep, so I like wore it <laughs> for as as little time as I could. Like the second I woke up in the morning, I threw it off, off the bed. That sort of thing. Like that's probably how I did it. Probably not a good sign. Probably. <laughs> yeah. Probably it's not. It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. One of our biggest issues with it is that like it mm -hmm. is freaking like one of the reasons i probably got some inaccurate readings during my workouts is because it's too loose for me it's ridiculously loose i could swap it out yes for a uh -huh. tighter band but you're already like what why can't i just pay less than people uh, <laughs> the same price as people getting the big one why do i have to pay mm -hmm. more just because i have a smaller wrist like this is the opposite problem of like the mm -hmm. you know that people keep encountering so anyway that's uh that's my rant and my my so I'll, I'll say it doesn't sound like this device shifts our uh smartwatch recommendations for people if you have an iphone just just get an apple watch stick to an apple likely, watch yep. or get a fitbit if you mm -hmm. like to go specialize or get a garmin if you really really like to exercise and want to have yeah. full gps right for android mm -hmm. it is what, what are your choices now for android fitbit so and samsung 
Yeah, so so for the app, first of all, for iOS, mm-hmm. the OnePlus Watch is not an option. It's yeah, just Android yeah. for now. So um, for, for, yes, for Android users, I... Mm, I used to say the Galaxy Watch is my go-to. <laughs> I used to love the Galaxy during, Watch. Mm-hmm. I do still, and it's really good, honestly. Like Tizen OS is still very good, but mm-hmm. uh, it had issues when I was working out with uh, being. It's a little, especially if you're running. Like if you're a runner, you go for Garmin. If you're a runner, mm-hmm. the Galaxy Watch Active might not be great because it was really annoying me the whole time. Like I was running, and then every time I was like. Good work. Keep up this pace for another thirty <laughs> seconds. I'm like, all right, cool. Thirty seconds. Good work. Keep up this pace. I'm like, I don't need you to freaking. I don't want to keep looking at my wrist. Yeah. I'm just in the zone running. And then they're like, too slow. Speed up. And then too fast. Slow <laughs> down. Stop like, looking at your calm wrist. Calm down, mom. <laughs> calm down, mom. Exactly. I don't need you to. Anyway, that's my main gripe. I think right now with the Galaxy Watch, um, it also had some like distance measurement issues, but not as bad as the OnePlus Watch. I feel like it came quite close to the to the Apple Watch and the actual distance that I walked um outside but yeah the galaxy watch is still one of the better ones Mm -hmm. for android uh, phone people but i'd say like it sounds like now that google and fitbit have completed their merge yeah i i'd hold off and wait to see what they do because Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. actually would be very interesting that would be like the uh, the apple watch equivalent to android right if just google fingers crossed yeah fingers crossed maybe by the end of the year but it, wearables are such a weird market, folks. Like, yeah. not much has changed for so many things. I have a fourth gen Apple Watch, which I think was the big redesign, and still don't feel compelled to look at any of the newer stuff just yet. So, we'll see. Keep an eye on all of our coverage of all these smartwatches. Anything else, Roland? Yeah, just to quickly like mm-hmm. wrap up that Google Pixel thing, a like Google Fitbit thing. There were rumors of a Pixel Watch yeah. late last yeah. week. Um, mm-hmm. I think Friday or so. So it sounds like something is brewing. So yeah, like the Vintage State said. Yes, it's not super exciting right now <laughs> in the land of smartwatches. They don't they've they've kind of like found their place. And I think that, that you're not going to get too much new and exciting out of them after this. But if you're interested in keeping tabs on your health, they're fairly helpful. So there has been plenty of other news this week. I mean, the the hits just kept coming, but we're going to highlight a few of them for you. Uh, First off, Apple finally announced its April event that we've been anticipating. I mean, it started earlier in the week with uh-huh. like when you start asking Siri when the next Apple event is, it would tell you the date. And I think that's <laughs> when Apple was like, oops, I guess we can't keep this, keep this a secret all that much longer, I think. Uh, so Apple's event is coming up on April 20th. I wonder if that's high time for something. Mm, um, very, but, very uh, symbolic. Apple vape, Apple vape tech. Mm. Yeah, who knows? There uh, we go. Something. I'll say, I think they showed off some videos for this event, and the videos all look like freaking AR overlays over the real world. Mm. So I think they're being very, very coy. Like we're going to see the AR glasses soon. Yeah, and we, we yeah. like to play. We like to play. Guess the device or guess the news from the invitation graphic and yeah. stuff like that, right? And so the words on the invitation this time around were spring loaded, uh-huh. at, with like some colorful squiggles that look sort of like a spring shape, I guess. But you know uh, what that, that squiggle is. Well, first, the yeah. word spring is like a play on the season spring and also component <laughs> spring. So my, nice way to go there, pun, Apple. But yes, way Avenger, to go, pun. what did you Well, no, if you, you look at say? this, if you look at the actual invite, right, it, it, it mm. is a twisted kind of design. If anybody, mm-hmm. if you have seen the way VR 
painting apps work Mm -hmm. that is the sort of thing you can create basically so it's like this is something where somebody could have taken a controller and just made a couple loops in the air this is what the 2d representation of that will be but i'm Mm. sure they'll do something where like they take their phone and then all of a sudden they're just walking around this thing or show off the glasses by walking around one of these designs so yeah We'll, we'll see something. See. I mean, it could also just be like another iPad pencil scribble thing. It could be anything, it could honestly. Be. It could be. It's yeah. anyone's guess right now. Um, but yeah, so stay tuned for that. April 20th, we will be live streaming. Well, we can't, we won't be live streaming Apple's event on yeah. our site, but we will be, be there live right commenting after. after. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, doing a post show. It'll be Chris Velasco, our Apple guy, and myself, yours truly. So. We'll be there whenever Apple Stream ends. And Apple Stream kicks off 1 p.m. Eastern on April 20th. Then if you don't, if you haven't got enough of the tech events and our live streams, I am pleased slash kind of, kind of like dismayed, I guess, to tell you Uh that Samsung (laughs) announced it's hosting its fourth event this year. God damn it. Stop. (laughs) Announce another event, Galaxy Unpacked. Uh, for set for April twenty eighth, and to my mind, I was like, "This is the second event this month." But actually, the last <laughs> event was in March, so actually, is the second event in spring. So actually, Fourth they're event. just yeah, they're taking a break. Only four events this year. Yeah, yeah, four mm. events in as many months, and uh, you know, it's time is infinitum for me, and uh, I can't make sense of it all now. I will judge everything at, by by the Samsung calendar. Now, was it before unpacked? After Unpacked or around Galaxy S21. Anyhow, uh, last time they unveiled the A-series phones at that awesome event. Awesome phone. And Mm -hmm. now we're not sure what to expect, really. I mean, based on the rumor mill, maybe Uh some PCs. Like, it might be time for it to see a a foldable. Who knows? And maybe tablets, maybe wearables. Lots of stuff that we don't really... Um, haven't seen from Samsung this year yet, I believe. We have seen the Galaxy Buds Pro or Plus this year, mm-hmm. in addition to the S21 phones. So, who knows what's to come? My money... I, I shouldn't... Actually, I do know what's to come, but I can't tell y'all, so... <laughs> <laughs> uh, just stay tuned. Yeah, but you know what phone has come out and has been announced? The Sony Xperia 1 Mark III. Okay. Holy crap. Remember Sony? Remember how they make phones? They did make um, good phones, yeah. They make really good phones. I mean, last year they made the One Mark II that got rave reviews for being kind of like the prosumer's camera phone. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, this is basically the same More phone, the same. but like yeah. Sony has, according to Chris Velasco, who wrote this story up, according to him, Sony seems to have addressed pretty much everything we didn't like about the last one which was the mark ii now the mark ii didn't have 5g in the u.s it didn't have like the nicest design a little bit of an awkward design and the focus was on camera over everything else so maybe at the expense of some other software issues so hey if sony has fixed a bunch of those things like you know 5g uh and getting you some better software perhaps that that's like good news for people who love Sony's Xperia phones. It's obviously probably going to be pretty expensive as well. Um, you can check out Chris Velasco's article on Engadget.com for the details on the camera technology. The Mark III, just so you know some of the basics, this is a 6.5-inch OLED screen. And Sony says it's the world's first 4K screen to refresh at 120 hertz. 
This so, thing's not going to have any battery life. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? Oh, my God. Anyway. Who uh, knows if it supports refreshing at that resolution? I don't know yet. We'll yeah. see. 4K um, on a screen that you can never really notice the 4K pixels. It's so mm-hmm. dumb. So dumb. Uh, 29 by... 21 by... by loy, 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 loy. 21 <laughs> by 9 aspect ratio. Um, which is, you know, I guess closer to to traditional, I guess, conventional uh, flagships of today-esque opposed to the really tall ones they did a while back. That's still pretty tall. Uh, the, 21 by 9 is It's still tall. tall, yeah. It's super tall, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, uh, it also packs a Snapdragon 888, so this is one of those high-end, top-of-the-line. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, the battery is a bit bigger than before at 4,500 milliamp hours, so... Devinger's point about this dying on you pretty quickly, probably. Um, Forty-five hundred milliamp hour might last a while longer. Not at not at one twenty hertz, four K. Like I, not mm, for that mm. screen. And also, I feel like they could have gone bigger. You know, so mm. <laughs> not big enough. Six and a half inches, not big enough. I'm sorry, Shulin. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is a, yeah, I don't know what Sony is doing here, but yeah, maybe people who love their cameras. Would love this. Six and a half inches. Um, and Hello. Good. Hey. And uh, a side-mounted fingerprint sensor, which we already knew before. And good news for headphone jack fans. People keep asking about that um, every now and then. 3.5 millimeter headphone jack is still there. So that's good hey. news. We are <laughs> going to have to test it, obviously, to know if it will perform well and be worth the money. Uh, no price information just yet because sony in general doesn't really talk price but last year the xperia 5 mark ii uh-huh. xperia i think one mark ii i'm not sure if this is a typo in the article xperia 5 no we're talking about xperia 5 a different phone now yep. the xperia 1 uh probably will be like ballpark of a thousand and more so yep that's our guess we're that not last going sony to... was so expensive yeah it's that's just they've always been expensive so mm-hmm. anyhow prosumer camera phone for sony fans who probably won't mind paying for all of those things hey speaking uh-huh. of phones cool phones that- <laughs> honestly yeah it sounds really cool <laughs> tcl uh-huh. is not Give a name, us the name of this anyone phone. was expecting to hear uh-huh. me say when i said speaking of cool phones tcl famed maker of tvs the world's um, biggest tv maker like they yes. they are super successful now yeah They've been trying to make phones for like a while now. Chris Velasco says more than a year. I want to say like years now. Years, like, years, yeah. You consider the fact that they've owned BlackBerry and Alcatel for a long time now, years, okay? Um, but its own brand, maybe like just over a year. So uh, it unveiled this week at an event a concept that it's calling <laughs> the fold and roll. Fold and, fold and apostrophe in roll. roll. Yeah. yeah. Like Toys R Us, but fold yeah. and roll. And uh, it's exactly as its name suggests. This is a phone. <laughs> looks cool. It looks really cool. They can fold and roll. <laughs> I don't even so, know what else is it. It is a phone screen. You can unroll it into a phablet screen that's like eight and eight point eight inches, and then pull it, like extend it to a tablet uh-huh. screen that is ten inches. This is just a concept. I want to see this in a real working device, but it was Why this would be a cool idea. Listen, we're spending so much time talking about like garbage foldable phones from Samsung. We we lived through a whole year 
of the original Galaxy Fold and like the fact that that was just a prototype. Now this is a device that, hey, it folds and it like extends a little. So it actually makes the device more of like a useful tablet. This bigger. is like, yeah, bigger, bigger device. Like I feel like this, yeah. this is sort of the dream for a mobile device for me. Like something I can fit in my pocket, then expand a bit when I'm sitting on the couch and then like tablet, tabletize, you know, when I uh, want to watch more video or something. I mean, look, and th- this isn't like brand spanking new for TCL, right? Like, yeah, first of yeah. all, I mentioned that they're a TV maker because TCL, you know, with that heritage knows its screens. It knows its screen technologies. Um, and it's been trying to innovate. So it's actually shown off concepts like this before. Yeah. It's done its own scroll style uh, concept where I think last year or earlier this year, they uh, unveiled a concept that unfurled two ways, like, it, it, yes, like a proper scroll. Uh-huh. And it opened really long. <laughs> Um, and then it's also done foldables and it's done trifold. So like a Z-shaped Ooh. foldable phone where you can fold it twice. Yeah. Yes. So so TCL is the king of concepts and king of yeah. wild, wacky concepts. They know how to catch your attention. <laughs> but you don't sound Whether, like you're impressed by this, Shulin. I mean, come, yeah. this, is, because, this is what our entire gadget lives have led to is these weird ass <laughs> screens <laughs> they can extend and fold and do everything, you know? I just think, like, kudos to them for getting yeah. everyone to be distracted by this shiny new thing. Because, shiny like, concept. yeah, fold and roll. They were like, we've done the fold. We've done the roll. Let's put it together. Let's, Let's it together. do this. And That's I was just like. called innovation, Trillin. I don't know. Dang, I don't even. <laughs> I, 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 I've seen I like some this. of their concepts like in the past. Some yeah. of them were janky. Let's be honest. Um, but here's the other thing, right? Like they've done so many concepts in the past. None of them have really come to pass. Like none of them have mm-hmm. come to be. They've not actually made any of these. But TCL has promised uh, around the time of CES this year, the company said it is committed to delivering and following through on at least one of its concept phones and making that sure. available for sale this year. So we'll see one such thing. And uh, my money is on a more traditional foldable. And it's weird to say affordable is traditional but like a a more tried and true and tried by its competitors kind of a device it's more likely that what tcl is going to do is make it more affordable because that's been the company's style is to make like cheaper variations of flagships i'm saying in five to ten years this is what i want in my pocket i want a device that can like do all sorts of things it does remind me of the days of like the multi-sliders like the helio ocean that i've talked about before Yeah. Aren't you nervous? It is more prone to damage, though. Oh, yeah, most definitely. But we (laughs) like here's the thing. If we can actually master this like flexible screen technology so it feels more like a magazine or something and Mm. not just like a like a heavy metal thing in your pocket. I do think that could be really cool. But that is my sci fi dream. Uh, We need entirely (laughs) new. We need like liquid batteries to even make these things possible. So many. Yeah. So, so much development has to happen. I want a phone that can fold in four. You know, exactly. I mean, like one of those. Exactly. Yeah. But anyway, those are ideas that seem out of this world. But there's been more news that is actually out of this world. And that is oh Google Earth. Love the transition. <laughs> love the oh, transition. Our editor-in-chief, Dana Woolman, who loves puns, is going to love me for this. <laughs> um, but... <laughs> Google Earth had its biggest update since 2017 announced this week. In fact, just today, this morning at 9 a.m. Eastern, the embargo lifted. Google Earth is adding 3D time-lapse videos. And that might sound very simple and straightforward just saying like that. But actually, 
if you think about it, the amount of data that has to come together for Google to produce something like this. Now, these are time-lapse videos of, uh, you know, changes to the Earth's surface um, over decades, over the mm. last four decades or so. And you can look at um, how things like the Amazon rainforest mm. have changed. You can look at how a, a glacier has retreated into, you know, itself or into mm -hmm. value or into gorgeous. Because Google you has this data, too. Like, that's what's yes. interesting, right? Yeah. So the, at the briefing, uh, Google at the, mm -hmm. uh, also had invited guests from the agencies that had teamed up with for, for this, including NASA, the U.S. Geological Survey, the European Space Agency, uh, and their respective uh, satellite projects. So Copernicus and the and NASA and the USGS's uh, Landsat satellites. So it's the Sentinel one and Sentinel two under yeah. the ESA, and then it's Landsat seven and eight. I can't remember the exact numbers, but anyway, the images and, and the number of uh, images taken from these uh -huh. satellites. Actually, a lot of them are already available to the public to do whatever they want with, honestly. These agencies make it available. But Google has kind of compiled them and made mm -hmm. them into time-lapse videos because a snapshot in time can tell you one thing, but a time-lapse mm -hmm. video shows you, like, impact over it time. It tells you and a story. Me, like, like, yeah. 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 It is really interesting. I think one of the the examples they showed during the briefing was uh, how Las Vegas has expanded uh, mm -hmm. as a city over the decades, and you can see how like it would expand west uh, eastward until it hits a mountain, and then it stops expanding and it goes <laughs> northward. So <laughs> no, we can't we can't go over the mountain. Uh, can so you? Oops, too hard. Can you view these time lapses from anywhere, or are they like specific yep. things that they have created? So, this is a wish, a wish, a question I wish I had uh -huh. asked, which is the sort of operating requirements. But you can just go into the Chrome browser, type g.co slash time lapse to see these. Uh -huh. And you can search any location you want in the world or take a guided tour that Google has curated mm -hmm. in themes like um, our forest, uh, urbanization, and that sort of stuff. Um, or you can, like, for me, I'm going to zoom right into Singapore because I know Singapore has developed a lot over for the last sure. few decades. I'm sure you could see a lot. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm really interested in charting the progress of the Amazon and yes. how much is still being like destroyed. I was born not yes. too far from the Amazon. Like that is, that mm. is my place, you know, and it is shocking to see like how much we are destroying it and not doing anything about it. It's insane. I had an early access to this uh, timeless video stuff and I mm -hmm. ran it in Chrome and I will say like it does take a while to load and like, you know, it, it, I'm using like an Ultrabook so it doesn't have like the most powerful mm -hmm. processors or graphics. So it takes Isn't a while. Isn't this all like, running in the cloud though? Like is it processed yes. locally but the data is so, in the so cloud? Yeah. Yeah, so mostly you're looking at internet stuff, but there is some, like, I will still say some lag, and I don't really know uh -huh. where the lag is coming from. Um, maybe I'm running too many browser tabs at the same time. But anyhow, uh -huh. uh, you can also, not only can you view them for free, you can also download them. So the goal here, I think, on Google's end is to help educators, scientists, researchers have this stuff to help make their points clear. It's like, imagine if you're in the classroom and like your teacher is like, well, so in Las Vegas, they built more buildings. Over 20 years, they built 7,000 buildings. Like, you know, you can think about numbers or you can look at yeah. a video and, and have that displayed so clearly to you. So I That's thought that that was cool. really actually cool news from Google. 
Um, is this uh, only on the web, Sherlyn, or is it in the Google Earth app too? It's also in the Google Earth app. Okay. In the Google Earth app, you can hit the ship's wheel um, icon hmm. and it'll take you to the Voyager platform where you can look at time-lapse videos. That's there. super cool. I also want to see this in Google Earth VR. I don't know if that's gotten mm. there yet, but Google Earth I, VR is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. You should uh, try that at some point, Sherlyn. Google Earth is actually a surprisingly yeah. cool and underrated product and yeah. it's nice to see the 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 company still pay attention to google earth we need to learn about the home planet that we're living <laughs> on you know looking at mars is fun but like we also need we to take send care some of people let's send some people to mars please like let's just get yes. the back <laughs> yeah but also we want we want to take care of our yeah. home and this is a we'll really take good care of way the to start yes um hey davindra did you have anything yes. else in the land of chip news to tell us though uh, I mean, some some fun stuff. We saw some kind of with no fanfare. AMD is just like, hey, we got we got new Ryzen five thousand chips with Radeon graphics, and uh, these are the chips that you will see in some cheap desktops. Uh, because the the key is they have like they have some graphics capabilities. You could just plug this onto a desktop, plug in a monitor, and get going. Uh, you don't need a discrete GPU, but if you're building an actual PC, if you're building a gaming machine, it just feels like a stopgap, right? Maybe you want to build something until you can actually get a new Radeon card or a new NVIDIA card. This is just kind of a stopgap thing. So not super exciting. Uh, AMD does this for every generation of chips. But hey, the Ryzen 5000 with built-in graphics are coming soon uh, for a little more than the standalone Ryzen 5000. So yeah, that, that's exciting. I have actually have some Ryzen hardware sitting around here that I need to like get to configuring because uh, I, I, I want to play with this stuff. Looks really cool. Let's move on to what we've been working on. I am in the middle of reviewing the Surface Laptop 4. This week has been hell for me. Uh, so I <laughs> hope I am not working on much else. As of Tuesday at noon, I had like five or six embargoes already on the site. Like, ugh, make it stop. Sherlyn, mm -hmm. what are you working on? I The story that I was talking about burning out from and having mm -hmm. writer's block on, it's finally up. I'm very excited. Uh, it's still not the piece that I was envisioning it could be. I just generally <laughs> am very ambitious. But it is a story about what would the internet look like without third-party cookies. And uh, I have like a... I used to design websites, so like my understanding of cookies was from the first-party cookie perspective, but I never mm -hmm. really thought about third-party cookies, so I, I decided to like talk to a lot of people. I talked to a lot of big companies, all on background, because apparently nobody wants to come on record to talk about yep. privacy and advertising, because yep. it's such a sensitive topic. Anyway, um, and, and the W3C and uh, people who are proposing some of these new methods, uh, alternatives to third-party cookie uh, ad tracking, and kind of just envisioned what the internet would look like when google for real for real disables <laughs> third-party cookie tracking and yeah that's my little explainer on that uh you should take a read if you want to know what's going on in that part of the internet which is basically every part of the internet um and then like continuing to work on lots of google embargoes the google earth stuff is one of them uh there was a set of google assistant updates uh that published yesterday i believe Again, time is really blurring for me. And then, you know, more secret things. I am testing out a new gadget, but I don't Ooh. really want to talk about it just yet. It's not under embargo. I just don't really want to tell people about it just yet. Um, <laughs> I want to surprise everyone. So you just want to you just want to tease us, and yeah, yeah, for no reason. It'll be at fun. All. I think people will like will, will like learning about this one. 
Uh, but yeah, that's me it, just working it. and not telling people about oh it. Oh my God. Working, working, working. I hope you have a chance to take a break. I have two days off that I had scheduled. Yay. And hey, the minute I, I freaking schedule two days off, Microsoft's like, hey, dude, hey, I got a, got a laptop for you to review. I Every time. To take, Every time. I, was, I know. I was supposed to take a week off and Samsung's like, nah, fam, I'm packed. <laughs> I'm like, all right, Again. fine. Again. Yeah. <laughs> Never, never unpack, life. actually, because you're never leaving Samsung, apparently. Never. I'm never. Uh, yeah. Let's move on to our pop culture picks. What's up? Uh, what do you want to recommend, Trillin? So I, I see your pick, and I mm-hmm. can't wait to talk about that. I, I think my pick this week might uh, be one that you approve of. Okay. And this, I need to shout out to someone on Twitter. I can't remember the username off him who, who recommended me when I asked for comedy ideas. Uh, Mythic Quest on Apple TV Plus. Where were you, you last it? year, Sherlyn? I told Listen, you to watch this. I know. Yes. If no one else stop, I okay. told you to watch it last. Year. Yes, and someone else on Twitter did. It's really, I know, I know you like. See, this is your approval, except for coming it's from good. a place of very weird. Like, where were you last year? But anyway, um, I specifically told you, Sherlyn Lowe, to watch the show. No, you tell me a lot of things, <laughs> the Davindra. I it just okay. gets like backed up to my cloud. Shout anyway. out to random Twitter user that Trillin listens to. <laughs> exactly. And also Apple TV Plus. But yeah, uh-huh. this is uh, from the people behind It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, who, by the way, I the show I just started rewatching, which is, Ugh. it's making me laugh out loud. I can't, I can't watch that show, but I love Mythic Quest, so. Mythic Quest is much better, I think, <laughs> just because it's more modern looking and involves yeah. like a slightly different, like a more diverse cast to start with. Um, Most definitely. It's always sunny. It's a weird show. Cause the best way I can describe it is grimy. Like it yes, is a grimy show grimy. about losers um, <laughs> who are, who are kind of racist and awful. But anyway, Mythic Quest oh, is yeah. good. Mythic Quest is Mythic good. Mythic Quest is from the uh, creators, uh, producers of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So Charlie Day is an EP and uh, mm-hmm. Rob, I don't even know how to pronounce his last name. Mac L. Henny. I don't know. McElhenney. Uh, <laughs> Stars yeah. Charlotte Nickdow. N-I-C-D-A-O. Uh um, well, so Yeah. She's amazing Australian uh actress. Uh and also uh Danny Putty. Danny Putty. Um, who is Abed in community. I think you're you're missing uh Oscar <laughs> nominee. I think Oscar Os- winner, F. Murray Abraham. Is in this show. Yeah, I was getting it to is. it. I was going from right to left oh, in this man. picture that we're looking at. But okay. Uh, yeah, He's, F. Murray yeah. Abram, also great. Uh, and basically a strong cast, really good writing. And this mm-hmm. show is about, for those who might not know, clearly everyone in the world apparently knows about this show now. Uh, it's about a, this uh, game developing company. So right within kind of our scope of coverage. Uh, and a bunch of people who are trying to like improve and enhance and keep updating their big game, Mythic Quest. So kind of like, I don't know, Overwatch? No, not It's not an MMO. Game. It's What's an MMO. So it's like, an MMO. I don't even know what the real world equivalent is. Uh, not Minecraft. Like not World Fortnite, of Warcraft type thing. Thank like, you. World yeah, of Warcraft. One of those things. Yeah. Um, and they like announce expansions. So season one's Raven's Quest. And so the reason I bring it up this week too is because uh, this Friday, I believe, they're releasing a new episode, Ooh. one of the like in-between season episodes, and I'm really stoked to watch that. The first of their in-between season episodes um, was released a while back. It was shot in the quarantine during the so pandemic. Good. 
It was so good. It was yeah. really well written. I didn't like. You'd think you'd get tired of like Zoom shows, like shows that were shot through like Zoom. But yeah. this was like it had a creative <laughs> finale, and I really liked it. It was a, had a very emotional heart mm-hmm. to it. So it was the only I like Zoom it. thing because it was produced early in the pandemic. That was like in yeah. March or April, right? And it yeah. is the only one that I think effectively used effectively used the, the way we were living in that world. Yeah. It's so wild. Very yeah. well. And like F. Marie Abram, I believe, also had to figure out Zoom for the first time. So like some of that <laughs> translated. And it was great. Um, this show is ridiculously funny. It's not as warm, heartwarming as Ted Lasso. It's a bit different in, in vibe. Mm-hmm. But it's laugh out loud funny. I just enjoyed it. It's too it's not enough. I don't have an I can't wait for the new season. And then also there's a new trailer released this week. So Oof. hopefully we'll get to see I mean we'll get to see season two May seventh, I believe is the date. Sometime in May. Yeah. I can't wait. It's great. Love this show so much. I'm trying to get everybody to see it. It is it, it, I think it kind of hits the range of Ted Lasso eventually, but it's also yes. it's also it crueler. It's also like, yeah. you know, it's more LOL. Yeah, like it's yeah, yeah it, it's a different different type of vibe, but I do think it hits those points. Did you finish the first season, Trillin? I, yes, I, I finished all of it, everything, so, quarantine episode, everything. Yeah, yeah. One and one thing I'll tell people is like, hey, the first few episodes it does take a while to get going. There's also like an episode in the middle that is just like completely like an indie rom com movie in a oh, way. Oh yeah, that the I one with Kristen Lottie. It yep. was beautiful. I yep. I didn't even know what was going on. I was like, is this a yes. different show? Suddenly? What's happening? But then yeah. it's a similar theme, and then it comes back full circle mm-hmm. at the end, and it's beautiful. It's With really well done. Kristen Milioti and Jake Johnson from New Girl, and I love Jake Johnson. I just want him in more oh, yeah. things. So yeah, yeah hey, watch too. Mythic yeah. Quest if you if you have watched Ted Lasso, you want more comedy. Mythic Quest is a good one. Yeah, again, not as heartwarming, but freaking great. What about you, Dev? What are you watching? Oh, yeah, I have been watching Invincible on Amazon Prime. This is the new superhero mm-hmm. show from Robert Kirkman. I believe you've seen some too, Sherlyn. Yes. Um, and you, yeah, you talked him. to Robert Kirkman. You interviewed yeah. him on the show. So I've seen a couple of these. Have to say, I was not, I, I looked at the trailers for this early on and I hated the animation style. And Right, the style was what? not great, yeah. It just seems like it's very cheap. Um, so mm-hmm. basically it's a show that, is meant to look a lot like the uh, the original Invincible comic, but mm-hmm. there is no, there's like very, very little motion in the animation mm-hmm, at times. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes the animation is just static images. People's yes. cha- faces don't it's have. It's very 90s, very 70s, very like Justice Almost, League, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Justice League cartoon, you know? It just feels yeah. cheap as hell because I think because they have a huge cast, which includes J.K. Mm. Simmons and uh, Stephen yes. Yoon. And oh my gosh. Like, ton of celebrities so many big names yeah so many big names uh, i'm liking the show i think it's a really interesting spin on superheroes i will say i think the first 45 minutes of the first episode <sighs> is a complete misdirection because it kind of yes. it just feels like hey we're just doing dc again we're just doing yep. justice league again with like yep, copycat yep. characters well, it's hard and, to get through yeah yeah and then it changes like so Watch the first episode. Watch to the end of the first episode yeah. if you don't know what's going on with the show. Then I think it gets a little more interesting. Um, yes. And it does kind of play with our notions of superheroes. And I like that. And I'm thinking, yes. like, yeah, maybe it is interesting how on streaming services, so between this and The mm-hmm. Boys and Doom mm-hmm. Patrol on uh, mm-hmm. on HBO Max and even the, like, Justice League Snyder Cut these things are only possible on streaming services. Yes. I wonder if like there is a kind of a point there. So I, I'll wrestle around with that. 
I think Invincible Have is a lot of fun. Have you listened to the interview with Robert Kirkman? Because I did. Because this is exactly what we talked about. Yeah, yeah. I did, so, yeah. so, like, for the listener and the viewer right now, if you haven't already checked out our episode with the interviews uh, of uh, Robert Kirkman and also Devendra spoke with the person behind Calls on Apple mm-hmm. TV Plus, I guess. Um, yeah. Go check it out. And Invincible, like Devendra said, takes a hard turn at the end of the <laughs> Hard episode. turn. These episodes are so long. They're like 50-minute episodes. They're not like the bite-sized 30-minute ones They're you're probably long. used to. So they're, they're yeah. long. I'm digging it, though. I think the story is good. The cast is mm-hmm. good. I just, I wish to spend a little the more money on the animation. Better, yeah. There's a yes. shot that is a... Uh, yeah, there's a shot that's on Giphy that you know people have used to like share the show. It's literally yeah. Invincible standing freeze frame on a building, and the camera's panning out, and like a flock of birds goes by him. But if you just like take a second and look at those birds, it, it is a static image of birds that they just dragged across the screen, <laughs> like they some goddamn. Yeah, they didn't flap their wings. It just looks like clip art. It looks like something Amazing. I used to make. Uh, there there was this Spider-Man game that existed in the 90s. Like, was a Spider-Man make-your-own-comic game. Literally doing that all over again on Amazon okay. Prime. Anyway, so I wish it didn't look bad, but I think it is worth watching. Check out Invincible. Well, that's it for the episode this week, everyone. Thank you, as always, for listening. Our theme music is by game composer Dale North. Our outro music is by our very own Terrence O'Brien. The podcast is produced by Ben Elman. You can find Devendra online at... At Devendra on Twitter or podcasting about movies and TV at the Slash Filmcast at SlashFilm.com. If you want to give me recommendations for TV shows I will promptly forget and then bring up a year later, I'm at Sherlyn on Twitter. Email us your thoughts and feedback at podcastandengadget.com. Leave us a review, please, on iTunes. And subscribe on anything that gets podcasts, including Spotify. Uh, 29 by 21 boy, 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 boy. <laughs>